What's going on, everybody? Welcome into Locked On Nittany Lines, your Penn State podcast, right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And today is Friday, July 10th, 2020. And today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. I'm your host, Kevin McGuire, a contributor to AthlonSports.com, also a member of the Football Writers Association of America, and we have a lot to get into in today's episode because if you haven't noticed, over the last 24 to 48 hours, a lot of news has come out about the upcoming college football schedule. Of course, the Big Ten made a major announcement on Thursday. We'll get into that and a whole lot more in today's episode. Before we continue, I want to make sure you are subscribed to our podcast on all of your favorite podcasting apps, such as Apple Podcasts and Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio. Whatever you're using to subscribe to podcasts, we hope that you'll consider subscribing to ours. And then if you do, go ahead and leave a rating and a review. We're trying to get up to 100 Apple Podcast reviews in the month of July. So if there's anybody out there who wants to spend a free moment of their time telling us how we're doing and leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, we would greatly appreciate that support. And, of course, we just genuinely appreciate your feedback. So we want to know what you think about the show and what we can do to encourage you guys coming back and sharing this with your friends and family moving forward. Of course, we also want you to stay socially connected with our podcast by following us on Twitter and Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitch by using the username LockedOnNitney across all of those platforms. And a special shout-out to those of you who tuned in to our live Instagram feed as we recorded a couple of the segments that you're going to hear in today's podcast. So, with all that out of the way, let's go ahead and get today's episode underway. So, a lot of stuff to get into, obviously, with uh, regards to the college football schedule for the upcoming fall. Uh, just a day after the Ivy League announced that it was going to cancel all fall sports for the entire fall semester, the Big Ten comes out and announces that they are moving to conference-only scheduling for all fall sports, assuming that fall sports are actually going to be held. And that's the big question that still remains to be answered. Uh, we're sitting here on July 9th as I'm recording this, July 10th as many of you are probably listening to this. And we're still wondering exactly what fall sports are going to be available when the season gets underway and the fall semesters around the Big Ten and around the country uh, begin. It's a big question. Nobody really knows any of the answers to this stuff right now, which is a shame. uh, But this is all such a unique situation that it's really difficult to figure out exactly what should be happening, what's going to happen, because we've never really faced exactly the circumstances that we're facing right now but here's what we know as of the time of this recording or if you're watching this on instagram live on instagram (laughs) uh, we know that the ivy league we'll start with them first because that was the first domino to fall as they say the ivy league has said that they are not going to do any fall sports no sports at all in the ivy league until at least january 1st so it remains to be seen if any of these fall sports that are being canceled in the ivy league are going to be able to be held in the spring I tend to think that fall sports in the Ivy League is going to just sit out a year. It's unfortunate, but I feel like that's probably the most likely scenario. We'll see how it all plays out moving forward. Certainly, as far as football is concerned, I don't think the Ivy League would be interested in playing football in the spring semester. First of all, spring Ivy League football sounds horrible, given the geographic location of the the Ivy League. (laughs) I just don't think that... Uh, If you have problems with Big Ten weather in November, imagine Ivy League weather in March. 
it's not it's not a great situation to be in. So I would stray away from that if I'm the Ivy League. It's unfortunate, but I feel like that that's probably the most likely scenario. So the Ivy League was the first domino to fall. And then on Thursday, the Big Ten formally announces that they are moving to conference-only scheduling. We'll talk a little bit about more how this is going to directly impact Penn State's schedule in the next segment. But basically, uh, we still are waiting some more information on what the Big Ten football schedule will look like. But obviously, we know that the Big Ten plays a nine-game schedule uh, under normal circumstances. And there are reports that are suggesting that the Big Ten will move to a 10-game conference schedule. And I guess the first question that I think a lot of people are going to have is... Uh, well, first of all, what happens with the Big Ten schedule? Do you keep that current nine-game format and just add in an extra game? I suppose it's possible, but I think what we're going to see is probably a brand-new schedule from start to finish. And maybe you can keep a, the majority of the schedule kind of intact, especially once you get deeper into the year. You know, games that are being played in October and November, you can probably keep most of them in there. I do think that it's going to be... A little bit of a, a dicey situation with, with where those non-conference game vacancies are going to be spotted throughout the conference. But I think this is something that's easily manageable. Certainly, you know, there are smart people involved that are going to put together a new schedule. And I would guess that if the, the Big Ten is moving to a, if sticking with a nine game or moving to a ten game schedule, you can easily start that schedule in week one. Uh, I think you can figure it out. You probably will end your season a little bit earlier than you're accustomed to under the current uh, scheduling formats that are out there, which I don't think is a terrible idea. I think a lot of schools are actually moving up their academic years, their academic calendar with the idea of getting students off campus by Thanksgiving. And certainly that feels like that would be a good way to go about moving forward uh, with the big 10. I guess uh, we also don't know if the big 10 championship game is still going to be a thing this year i imagine it probably is but i don't know that's one of the questions that we're still going to wait for some more information on i guess uh moving forward as the big 10 has said that they will have more information about uh, affected scheduling uh at a later time is what they said so it could come tomorrow it could come after i stop recording this or it could come uh next week or maybe two weeks from now i still think there's a lot of stuff that still needs to be figured out i'm sure some of the details are probably all kind of formed together but it's just a matter of uh, crossing the t's and dotting the i's and making sure everything is uh, on par ready to go and everybody is uh, aware of the situation just throughout the Big Ten. So lots of stuff still to figure out as far as the Big Ten schedule is concerned. So shortly after word was starting to break, and I think Nicole Auerbach of uh, The Athletic was one of the first ones that I saw reporting the news about the Big Ten schedule. I know Tom Danhart of um, Rivals, I think, uh, had something on this yesterday as well, or on Wednesday, uh, had some information about a possible 10-game schedule. So, uh, you know, Credit to those folks who, who had this information out there. But you know, shortly after the, the Big Ten domino started to fall, uh, word came that the Pac-12 is very likely to do the same thing. And again, uh, I believe a shout out to Nicole Arbrack from The Athletic, um, my buddy Brian Fisher from Athlon Sports and also a contributor to NBCSports.com. Uh, he also had information suggesting that the Pac-12 is very likely to move into a conference-only format as well. Uh, they haven't made their announcement just yet as far as the Pac-12 is concerned, uh, but expect that in the coming days if it hasn't happened already. And then uh, Brett McMurphy suggesting that the ACC is probably going to be doing the same thing as well. So you can see where this is all heading. We are not going to have non-conference games this year. And 
while that doesn't necessarily impact a lot of schools within the power conferences, it certainly has a trickle-down uh, catastrophic, catastrophic effect on those group of five programs. Um, you know, Penn State, for example, you know, non-conference game against Virginia Tech, it stinks that, that that's not going to happen. Uh, we'll talk again. We'll talk more about Penn State's schedule in the next segment. But you know, games against Kent State, San Jose State, uh, games against the MAC, games against Conference USA. Um, you know, some of those independent programs that aren't Notre Dame or BYU or I guess even Liberty. Uh, those programs are going to hurt the most out of these decisions that are being made. And I don't know what the decisions are going to be made by the American Athletic Conference or the Sunbelt Conference or the Mountain West Conference, we still have to wait to see what they have to do. But I get the sense that they're going to hurt the most out of all these changes that are happening. Yes, as a fan, it stinks that you're not going to be able to see Ohio State and Oregon, Michigan and Washington in Week 2, Penn State and Virginia Tech in Week 2. I think we all understand uh, the decisions that are being made here. I don't necessarily understand the logic that says that, for instance, Penn State can't go to Virginia Tech but they can go to Nebraska or Minnesota. And I'm just throwing these names out there. I don't necessarily know exactly what the situation is in one state or another. I'm just saying if, if you're concerned about travel, I understand you're probably reducing the number of games that you're going to play overall. But I, I guess I need some more context into what makes uh, playing a game in conference, uh, say Penn State versus Rutgers, what makes that m- less of a risk than playing – a uh, game against Kent State. Uh, Kent State, I point that out because they are in the state of Ohio. Penn State's still going to play Ohio State, so you're still playing somebody from Ohio. So I'm not going to get too deep into the weeds here, but I do think that it's a very big decision that was made by the Big Ten. I think we a lot of people suggested that this was going to be a very realistic possibility. I was always under the impression that it's probably going to happen, but I'll sort of believe it when it happens. Well, guess what? It happened, and I believe it. Let me know what you think about the Big Ten schedule format moving forward. What would you like to see the Big Ten do now that we know that conference-only scheduling is going to be how the Big Ten moves forward, assuming that we do have college football uh, this coming fall? So let me know what you think about nine-game schedule, ten-game schedule. You know, do you want to see the, the, the current schedule hold form and then just add in a game, maybe two games? I don't know if we want to talk about an 11-game conference schedule. It might be a little bit of a reach, but... Let us know what you think about that. Hit us up on Twitter at LockedOnNittany. You may not be driving around quite as much these days, but RockAuto.com is here to make sure that you have all the parts you need if you're going to do some maintenance on your car or truck. Go to RockAuto.com and enter the make and model of your vehicle, and it'll bring up an entire database of all the parts that are available. Whether you need wipers, or maybe you need a new spark plug, or maybe you need a new air filter... Maybe you're just looking for some floor mats. Whatever it is you need for your car or truck to maintain it and make sure it keeps running whenever you're ready to go, rockauto.com is going to be there for you with the best available prices and all the best parts that you can use, whether you're a do-it-yourselfer or a professional. RockAuto.com is a family business. They've been serving auto parts to customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for the auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com Alright, so we know that the Big Ten is moving to a conference-only schedule for the fall season. Supposing that there's a fall season. Again, 
just a quick disclaimer. I'm going to throw that out there every time I mention anything about the upcoming schedule. I, and I don't feel like I need to reiterate the point, but anytime I'm mentioning the schedule, I'm just assuming that games will be played. Now, again, I'm assuming that games will be played, and now we are under the impression that the Big Ten is playing just Big Ten teams. So we got that out of the way once again. Moving forward, what does this mean for Penn State? So we know that Penn State's schedule this year was going to include some tough games with just within the conference. They have to go to Michigan. Of course, they get Ohio State, but that game will be at home. But it may not be the same home environment that you're typically accustomed to uh, when Penn State hosts the Buckeyes. And, of course, they were going to play Iowa at home. They were going to make our long road trip out to Nebraska, a game that I have been pinpointing as a possible trap game situation. Uh, don't never liked the situation for that game in the first place. So we're all kind of wondering what the Big Ten schedule will look like. I still think you can play the majority of your current conference schedule as is. Uh, I'd be very curious to see if, if they're moving to the 10-game schedule, what game is added to Penn State's schedule. Or does the Big Ten just wipe the slate clean? You play all your teams in the division, and then maybe they just find new dates or new uh, rotation over cross-division format. I, I don't know. Uh, but we do know that Penn State was going to play Iowa. They were going to play Nebraska. They were not going to play Wisconsin this year. They were going to play Northwestern. Uh, they weren't going to play Illinois. Uh, who's the other team from that division? Minnesota. Uh, they weren't going to play those teams. So it's very likely that one of those games is obviously going to be added because you're not going to play a division opponent a second time, you would think. Uh, so we do know that Penn State's going to be gaining another Big Ten opponent, and it could be be very interesting to see who Penn State gets added uh, or who who is added for Penn State I should say when the new schedule is released if it's Wisconsin that's probably a bad draw especially if you have to go to Madison Wisconsin uh, so if you get if you get another crack at Minnesota that's also a tough opponent especially after what we saw against uh, Penn State Minnesota last year so it's going to be very interesting to see which game gets added to Penn State's schedule. So, again, we can break that all down when we know more details. But let's talk about that non-conference uh, situation because games against Kent State and San Jose State, nobody's going to lose sleep over those games. Those are games that, uh, you know, games against the MAC, game against a Mountain West team, uh, not very strong opponents to say the least, uh, to put it kindly. But those are not games that are going to make or break Penn State's strength of schedule. They're not going to uh, be games that a whole lot of fans are too upset about not being able to see this year. Virginia Tech is a different situation, though, because this was going to be the first year that Penn State and Virginia Tech ever played. It's inexplicable to me how the Nittany Lions and the Hokies have never played a football game, not even once, not even in a bowl game. They've, they've never crossed paths, despite being in the same well, I guess somewhat the same geographic region. That's, you know, it's the bottom of Virginia and it's uh, the middle of Pennsylvania. It's not the closest distance, but you would think that they would have played at least once in their entire history. They've been playing football for quite some time at Penn State and Virginia Tech, and they still have not played each other. So that game is not going to happen down on Blacksburg this year. Uh, that's a shame because that was a game that I think a lot of Penn State fans were really looking forward to. Uh, obviously, <laughs> there, that was a, an environment that was going to be very interesting to soak in. Uh, if you've seen a game at Lane Stadium before or if you watch it on TV, you know how electric that atmosphere can be, especially for a big game. And this was going to be a big game for Virginia Tech. <laughs> this is going to be one of their big opportunities at home 
to really make some noise, make a statement for themselves. And I fully expected that that was going to be a very tough game for Penn State and potentially even a game that they could have lost. I, I don't think they would have lost, but I still feel as though that was going to be a very good early road test for Penn State in week two. So that game's not going to happen. What happens with it now? Because now uh, there's still a home-and-home home series on the books, uh, assuming that next year's schedule is not going to be impacted by any decisions that are being made this year, which you know still could happen. But I still feel as though Virginia Tech is scheduled to play at Penn State next year. Unless this contract is just completely null and void at this point because of these uh, decisions that are being made, you're going to have to wait another year to see Penn State play Virginia Tech. And it'll be in uh, State College in Beaver Stadium. I would imagine that given the circumstances, Penn State and Virginia Tech will do everything they can to reschedule that road game in Blacksburg as early as possible. The problem, of course, with college football scheduling is schedules are made so far in advance that if they are going to reschedule that game, you're probably going to have to work it out so you uh, remove another future opponent from the schedule, probably against a MAC team or a Mountain West team, whoever, you know, one of those uh, lesser uh, non-conference opponents. I, I do think that um, Penn State Virginia Tech would be very likely to reschedule that game as soon as they possibly can. Don't know when that'll be. I haven't looked at the future schedules for uh, Virginia Tech. Uh, obviously, Penn State's got a, a lot of book dates in the future. And, a couple, of course, uh, already have a bunch of games against some other power conferences in home and home deals, including Auburn, including West Virginia down the line. So uh, I don't know how eager Penn State will be to uh, remove any of those games in favor of a game at Virginia Tech. But I, I do think it would be far more likely that you get a game against a team from the MAC or something, or maybe an FCS opponent and get that one rescheduled for Virginia Tech. If you can work it out. I don't know. Again, I don't haven't looked at Virginia Tech's future scheduling. Uh, so I don't really know where their paths could realign again for a road game in Blacksburg. But I do think that you'll see Penn State, Virginia Tech try to make it work out at some point in time. I just don't know when that point in time will be. Uh, as far as Kent State and San Jose State are concerned, these are games where you probably have a guarantee. I haven't looked at the contracts, but I would imagine that this is the kind of standard protocol where you're going to pay this team a certain amount of money to come and get their butts kicked by Penn State on their home field. That That's just the nature of the game right now. A game against Kent State and San Jose State probably not costing Penn State a whole lot. I think I've already seen some people out there say it would be great if some of these schools in the Big Ten just decide to pay their guarantees to teams in the MAC because the MAC is going to get hit really hard by this Big Ten decision. And the MAC relies a lot on those non-conference games against Big Ten teams, including Kent State, uh, who was going to get some money out of Penn State for their game this year. Uh, Kent State's budget is largely funded by their guarantees from Big Ten teams. So uh, I don't know how much Penn State was going to be paying Kent State, but that is a check that could potentially not no longer be in the books for uh, Kent State, which would be a shame for Kent State. I do think, though, that... There'll, again, contracts can be amended. You can, you can work things out. There's always some details here and there. Uh, given the circumstances, I don't know how ugly th these could potentially get, but I do think that uh, there will be some kind of agreement where Penn State's not the one canceling the game on Kent State or San Jose State, so I don't really know legally how that all works out. If anybody knows, feel free to enlighten me. I would love to get a little bit more information on how this all plays out, but I do think that there'll be some kind of agreement between the schools to either have a reduced payout or, you know, if it's not, if it's not that expensive for Penn state, maybe they just say, 
you know, have some goodwill and pay the full guarantee for the schools. I don't know what's going to happen there, but it is something to just keep an eye on. See what Penn State ends up doing with Kent State and San Jose State. I don't think there's going to be a huge push to reschedule those teams and those games. I don't think it's nearly high enough on the priority list for Penn State or you know, it's probably more on the high priority list for Kent State to get a game at Penn State again. But uh, I don't think Penn State's going to be too eager to go out of the way to reschedule a game with Kent State and San Jose State. I do think it would be pretty interesting if Big Ten teams were allowed to play teams in the MAC, though, because they're kind of overlaying the geography. Uh, you know, if you're trying to stay within your Big Ten footprint, the MAC is in your footprint. So I, I, I think it would be kind of neat to see the Big Ten allow games against the MAC to continue. And just kind of some, have some good camaraderie with the Mac. I think the Big Ten and the Mac should be doing more teaming up kind of stuff. But that's another topic for another day. But I do think that it's going to be very interesting to see what happens with those non-conference games. Again, I do think that Penn State and Virginia Tech will be very willing to work together to try and find a rescheduled date at some point in time. I just don't know when that is going to be. The other day on the podcast, I was given a question from Brandon Gall of Athlon Sports as well as SiriusXM's College Football Station. He wanted to know what Penn State fans actually think of James Franklin. And I still want to make sure I go out and try to bring on Braden to kind of share his reaction and some of his opinions on James Franklin. I'm going to try and do that very soon. So, Braden, if you're listening, the invite is open. I'll be in touch. But he wanted to know basically what Penn State fans think of James Franklin. So I figure I've got my own opinions. I've got some guesses as to what a lot of Penn State fans probably think of James Franklin. And I also have a wide range of opinions uh, or a wide range of opinions that I know people have on James Franklin. But I thought it was pretty interesting timing because around that same time, Fox Sports on their, follow, uh, their college football account on Twitter, uh, at CFB on Fox, put out the graphic kind of asking who are the top coaches in college football. And the graphic included the usual likenesses of, of course, Nick Saban of Alabama, Dabo Sweeney of Clemson. They threw in Ryan Day of Ohio State. I don't have a problem with that. Lincoln Riley of Oklahoma. Obviously, the reigning national championship head coach, Ed Orgeron of LSU. But front and center in their graphic was an interesting choice. It was James Franklin of Penn State. And now, uh, today, as I'm recording this podcast, they've put out another graphic giving the top five coaches from their own panel, including Rob Stone, Brady Quinn, Matt Leinert, Reggie Bush, Joel Klett, Urban Meyer, and the College Football on Fox fans. And I thought it was interesting that not one of those options put James Franklin in their top five. So it was kind of interesting that they put James Franklin front and center in their graphic, asking who are the top coaches. And then nobody put James Franklin in their top five. Now, I'm not saying James Franklin should be in your top five. Uh, Certainly, uh, if I'm putting together my own ranking, I'm putting Nick Saban and Dabo Swinney at the top two spots for sure. I think Lincoln Riley is very worthy of being in that conversation as well as a top five coach right now, just given the fact that he has multiple Heisman Trophy winners, multiple appearances in the college football playoff, and of course, multiple Big 12 championships in a very short period of time as a head coach. And some other names that made that list from the, the Fox graphic included Ryan Day of Ohio State. Again, not necessarily going to bicker with that one, given his very uh, successful season as the head coach of the Buckeyes. Um, uh, Ed Orgeron, of course, uh, with a national championship ring. It's hard to argue that right now. And another co- couple of coaches that made the list, uh, Matt Campbell uh, made uh, Rob Stone's top five and 
Kirby Smart made Brady Quinn's top five. Kirby Smart of Georgia, Matt Campbell of Iowa State, I should mention. And Kyle Winningham of Utah made Matt Leinert's top five. So, again, I'm not necessarily going to argue any of those names. I think James Franklin is obviously one of the best coaches in the country, certainly within the Big Ten, as uh, we were recently told by Stephen Lassen of AthlonSports.com, college football editor over there. He thinks that James Franklin is the best coach in the Big Ten. But I wanted to ask you guys to get your take. What do you think of James Franklin? I got a, a good number of tweets. Uh, with some feedback on it and mostly it was very positive and I think that there were some critical ones here and there or not necessarily harsh criticisms but here I'm going to read some of those uh, replies for you here's one from Mike Raymond he says great figurehead and ambassador for the program he is driven he delegates well to his position coaches I'm more than satisfied six years in he's one he's on the verge of becoming one of the elite coaches needs a college football playoff win that's basically where I am with James Franklin. I think there's a lot of positives that you can draw on this. Just look at the recruiting, look at the results, look at the wins. We've got one Big Ten title. The college football playoff is certainly the next step that James Franklin needs to take in order to move into the conversation with some of the top head coaches in college football. I mean, there's certainly a lot of respect for James Franklin, I think, on a national level, given his track record as a head coach, both at Vanderbilt and now at Penn State. Uh, so I, I really think that that's a very spot-on take. I thought that was one of the best replies I got from Mike Raymond. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter, at MikeRaymondLV. Uh, and I think he said it all very well. He is a great ambassador for the program. I think he is the perfect mentality to be the head coach at Penn State. Certainly, the situation he walked into, I think he was very headstrong about it. And he has really molded Penn State to being a program that is worthy of being in the playoff conversation on any given year. Certainly, that would appear to be the case this year. It looks like they, they assuming there's a college football playoff, of course, <laughs> I just feel like so uh, Penn State has a lot of optimism for what they could potentially uh, do to make a run for the playoff. Obviously, beating Ohio State is key, but you know that's a conversation we've had time and time again here. Uh, getting to the college football playoff is the next step, and of course, winning the game in the college football playoff would be great. Hey, you win a national championship, then you're going to be in this top five easily uh, ahead of some of these other coaches that are in there. Uh, here's one from my buddy Tim Tolley. Uh, great guy on Twitter. Uh, I know he, he's from the Penn State blogosphere. I guess he's an alum, Penn State blogosphere alum at this point. Uh, his take is this, favorable. I think he has a few shortcomings, but I think he does a good job of identifying them and compensating for them. Winning championships is a hard thing to do. That's an impossible measuring stick. There may be three coaches I'd rather have. And again, I sort of echo a lot of that same mentality. I, I don't know if it's necessarily an impossible measuring stick when you're talking about championships, but I do agree or concede that you can be a very successful head coach and not have the championships and still be a very successful head coach. Uh, you know, We were talking about James Franklin potentially having a chance to win 11 games for the fourth time in five years this upcoming season. Obviously, that's probably not going to happen right now, but we'll see. Uh, but I feel as though... The track record he's put together as far as winning football games uh, is hard to, def to argue against. Now, yes, <laughs> like Tim says, there are a few shortcomings, and I think that that's very well put. I mean, his record against Ohio State is not great. Uh, his record on the road uh, against Michigan, not good. <laughs> so there are certainly some uh, things that you would suggest that there is, there's room for improvement with James Franklin. I think he would tell you that, too. Uh, he knows. I, I think uh, you know these first couple comments have uh, put it very well. He's a very good 
he, he's very good at delegating responsibility. And I've said this before on the podcast. He's very good at building his coaching staff. There's a reason a lot of his assistant coaches go on to take on other jobs, usually moving up. <laughs> Certainly this past year uh, with the coaching turnover is very much evidence that he knows he's got an eye for talent as far as coaches are concerned. He's not afraid to let one of his assistants or one of his coordinators really take the, the reins a little bit more. Uh, look what happened with Joe Moorhead. That was a perfect decision and a perfect example of being able to not only spot good coaching talent, but being able to trust and delegate that coach with the, the responsibility. So that's a, those are some great comments. Here's another one from Shane Lunden. Great coach and recruiter, has improved his in-game management. Right coach for Penn State, but he needs to get to the college football playoff soon. So again, you're, you're starting to see it's a familiar trend here or a familiar theme here. There's so many positives that you can say about James Franklin, but you got to get to the college football playoff if you want to be considered truly elite. And I think that's what a lot of people seem to have said. This one made me laugh. Uh, this one from Dean Lawrence. He is the modern day Mark Richt. And I think I understand what he's saying here. You know, Mark Richt, I think, was a, a really good head coach for Georgia. Uh, obviously, it didn't work out the way I envisioned for him at Miami. But you look at the, what Mark Rick did at Georgia, and he was a very successful coach. He didn't necessarily have all of the glory that some other coaches in the SEC did during the, his heyday there. But you look at what he was able to do at Georgia. Georgia was a very good program for a very long time. Got a couple of SEC titles, but you know the, their biggest setback was that they were the one SEC program that was probably the most successful but never won the national championship. During the BCS era and into the college football playoff uh, with Mark Rick at Georgia, uh, Alabama won multiple titles. Auburn won a national title. LSU won a national title. Uh, Tennessee, Florida, all those schools won national championships. Mark Rick was the one guy who didn't. I mean, he was very successful at Georgia, but he didn't win the national championship. So comparing James Franklin and Mark Rick in that sense, I think is very spot on. So that actually uh, it made me laugh, but it then made me think, was like, hey, that's actually a pretty good analogy. Um, so yeah, he's the modern day Mark Rick. I I, I totally get that comment. Uh, and this one, of course, I'll close it out on this. Uh, there's so many more, but I just wanted to throw out this one. Next coach at USC, if and when they fire Clay Helton. <laughs> Look, we, we'll go down that road if and when USC actually gets ready to make any coaching change. I've got some thoughts on James Franklin and USC. I've shared them before. I will share them again at that point in time. Uh, oh, and one other one I'll throw out there. Top 10 coach. This one from uh, Nick Elvin uh, on Twitter. Top 10 coach, very similar to Dabo before he got Deshaun, Deshaun Watson, and Clemson became Clemson. That's a comparison that I think uh, has been made before. And I think Black Shoe Diaries, a great Penn State blog, uh, had a good column about that you know, within the last few years, I think, uh, comparing uh, James Franklin's track record to what Dabo Swinney was able to do at Clemson. I think we're starting to see some of that come together, come to fruition a little bit. And I think it's a very... Uh, a very good analogy. I think Dabo Sweeney was the perfect coach for Clemson at the time he was hired. It obviously took a little bit of time for him to build what he has going right now. But I think as far as personality is concerned and the energy is concerned and the way that they spot talent uh, for coaching staff and recruit, I, I think there are some similarities between James Franklin and Dabo Sweeney. Obviously, Dabo has the national championship uh taken care of. He's got a couple of national title rings that he can show off. So, yes, he is definitely... Uh, higher up on the scale than James Franklin. We're not going to suggest that he's not, but I think the, there are some similarities into their track records and what uh, Dabo was able to do at Clemson and what it seems as though James Franklin is doing at Penn State. 
so many opinions, so many reactions. Thank you so much for all of those. Again, I didn't get to them all, but if you want to go check out the tweet uh, that I asked these questions for or asked for this feedback, I will share that in the show notes so you can go ahead and check out some of these responses as well. And if you want to add to it, feel free. If you want to let us know what you think of James Franklin, keep those coming in. You can follow us on Twitter at LockedOnNittany. You can check us out on Facebook at Facebook.com slash LockedOnNittany. Don't forget, we've got an Instagram account. We've got a Twitch account. You can follow us there on LockedOnNittany. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. We are available on every podcasting app such as iTunes and Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, whatever you're using to listen to podcasts. Go ahead and subscribe. Make sure you rate and review. When we've got new episodes next week, I'm sure we'll be talking a little bit more about that Big Ten schedule. Make sure you don't miss a single second by subscribing on your favorite podcasting app. Or heck, subscribe on all of them if you want. It would really help us out. That would be great. Uh, but go ahead and subscribe, rate and review. Let us know how we're doing. We are trying to get to 100 Apple Podcast out reviews in the month of July. So if you can help us out there, that would be greatly appreciated. We want to hear what you guys have to say. And if you don't like something that we're doing, let us know that too. It, was you know, it doesn't have to be just positive stuff. You know, This isn't one of those surveys that you get pointed out at McDonald's and say, give us a 10 out of 10 so you can get this uh, coupon code. Uh, no, no. If you don't like something that we're doing, let us know. <laughs> positive, negative, we want your feedback regardless of what it is. We hope it's positive, but you know, we'll see how it goes. So you can subscribe to us. You can follow us on all the social media accounts. My name is Kevin McGuire. I'm a contributor to AthlonSports.com. I do have some content that I'm working on for that website, and hopefully it doesn't go out of date before it even gets published, as uh, one story I did this week on Big Ten non-conference scheduling was concerned. Yeah, that, that stunk for me. But I will share that with you guys as well moving forward. Have a great weekend, guys. Before I go, make sure you all check out the Locked On NFL podcast and the Locked On NBA podcast. They're both available, getting ready for those seasons to either get started or restart uh, later on this month. Lots of stuff going on in the NFL circle and the NBA circle. So make sure you check out Locked On NFL and Locked On NBA right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Have a great weekend, everybody. Come back next week. We'll do it all again. We've got some good content still to get into next week. Some good conversation. It's always fun talking some Penn State football with you guys, and we will continue to do so next week. 